It's Kansas Republican Party convention time, so it makes sense to sit down with one of many candidates for statewide office working to make an impression with that key demographic. We are here with State Representative Stephen Johnson, who is a Republican candidate for state treasurer and served in the Kansas House since 2011. Welcome to the Kansas Reflector podcast. Great to be with you, Tim. Thank you for taking the time. The annual GOP convention is an opportunity for candidates to put their best foot forward for all the movers and shakers of the party. So Representative Johnson, can you give us a flavor of your convention message? Key part of the convention message is continuing to provide numbers that the rest of government in the state can count on. We have to have that accountability and transparency that people know how to make good financial decisions. And that is what we need as a basis to be able to carry forward. So that's been the message uh, since actually the last GOP convention I had announced shortly before that. uh, And then I've continued to carry across the state in the interim. The job of state treasurer is held by Lynn Rogers, Governor Laura Kelly's former lieutenant governor. When treasurer Jake LaTurner was elected to Congress in 2020, Kelly appointed Rogers to fill that job. So Rogers is seeking the Democratic nomination to retain that position, by the way. Is it fair that a Democratic governor replaced a Republican treasurer with a Democrat? In other words, should the appointment of a replacement reflect the instincts of the voters at the last election for treasurer? Well, that's the way the rules currently are. Uh, So um, regardless of how everyone may feel that has to be done, the governor has their choice of who they wish to appoint to that office. So uh, that was exercised and um, our chance to decide what the voters want will come up this year in our elections. Yeah, fortunately, the voters get the last word. You will have a primary in August. We know that State Senator Karen Tyson is running as well for state treasurer. Do you expect a more crowded field by the June filing deadline or you think that's more or less it? I think we've been moving the other way. So uh, after I announced in uh, last April, there was an announcement by uh, Mr. Michael Austin, then Mm -hmm. Senator Tyson, and then Sarah Hart Weir. And at this time, uh, Senator Tyson and I are the two that remain in the race. The others have have, uh, suspended their campaigns, at least at the time being. Um, I think it's hard to jump into a statewide race at this time and gain the traction that we would need between now and the August primary. Yeah, at this late time, I mean, there's money and uh, the work and the groundwork you need. Uh, So maybe this is a good point to pause for a few seconds. Please tell us what the state treasurer does, if that would probably be useful. Yes, indeed. And and in in a perfect world, I think a lot of voters won't have to worry about what the state treasurer does. They just need to know that it's done well and consistently. So there are five areas of the state treasurer's office. The one is the administrative area that actually just pays the bills, uh, watches as the money comes through and goes out. The direction is actually done by the governor and the legislature, but the treasurer executes that function. The second function that's listed is uh, overseeing the bonding, any bonding that is done by the state. The great news is we have good people that do that, but it runs through the treasurer's office and they are responsible. The key to doing it well is having had experience hiring, firing, and coaching people in doing their jobs and making sure that there's no extra fraction of a basis point going some other direction in that transaction. Um, The next area is in the cash management and investing part, handling the pooled money, being on boards like CAPERS, overseeing where money goes in the unemployment trust fund, the healthcare stabilization fund, And that's the area where the treasurer actually has their hand on the policy and the investment decisions with those investment boards. 
to decide how and where to deploy all of Kansas assets. And there are billions of dollars that, that we're responsible for. The next is the 529 or Learning Quest program, college savings plan, and making sure that that works for the state. Uh, I've been on the advisory board for that uh, since uh, Treasurer Estes took office in 2011 when I came into the legislature. He appointed me to be on that advisory board, which Jake LaTurner did keep me on. I do not serve on it currently, um, but very familiar with the plan. And then finally is one that I think most people are familiar with, which is unclaimed property and uh, getting those dollars back into people's hands. Yeah, that's a letter everybody would like to receive. Yeah, your your long uh, deceased uncle and that you, you never met. We have we have ten thousand dollars worth of gold that was in a safety deposit box. Come get it. Uh, all right, so let's pretend you're campaigning and and we're going to put you in Gellis Diner in Hayes uh, before we have a lovely dinner and maybe one of those terrific beers they have out there and speak to twenty five people there. What do you want? What do you want these folks to know about you personally? Your background, who you are. Well, we can speak to the 25, but we'll, we'll keep it conversational as if we're around the table. And, and I'd start with just being a fifth generation farmer where I uh, grew up in this area. So I am still on the farm there at this point. I have about a thousand acres that I raise in beans, corn, wheat and sorghum, a uh, small amount of irrigation there. But I, I do know agriculture. I do know the farm from growing up here and uh, still having an active hand in doing that operation. From there, I went to K-State, appreciated the experience there, appreciated meeting a lot of folks uh, across the state there, as well as in different youth and leadership organizations. And um, that network has continued to be a rich life experience. And I stay engaged uh, even with things like the Rural Electric Youth Tour. And I look forward to going back to Topeka each year to welcome and encourage the youth that go on that tour um, each year and and learn more about government and how to be an active and uh, a helpful participant in the process of of moving us forward in democracy. Um, From there, I went to work at Ameriprise Financial and uh, they sent me back to get my master's, which I, I got in finance at the University of Chicago. And with that, I built our investment or asset allocation models and my role for then uh, several years with Ameriprise was the asset allocation or, or how, how to best invest for a given liability and taught me a lot about just questioning the numbers. While we want everyone to put their best foot forward, occasionally numbers are presented as people wish they were rather than as they are. And you can only make good decisions based on numbers as they are. So that was a really helpful experience that made me question some of the things that were going on after the 0809 downturn in the market. It hurt everybody's pensions, but Kansas was particularly bad at that point. We were the second worst on our funded ratio and our contributions never met the liability in CAPERS during the amortization period, even though the annual contribution grew to $2 billion a year, which is huge for our pension contribution. So that motivated me to run for the legislature in 2010, and I was elected in 2011, and I started working on that problem in the same way, just saying, what are the numbers? Equations will balance. If I am short on one side, it's not going to magically show up on the other side. And that is the skill that I brought to various problems in the legislature and that I would intend to bring to the treasurer's role. 
Mm-hmm. So at K State, I think you were among the the bright students uh, when we were there. Uh, I was among the worst College of Agriculture students imaginable. Uh, so I think you you, were, you dabbled in politics at K State, right? I did. So the student senate and various leadership things there, and including student body president. Uh, so there you go. Right. That gave, that gave our collegian staff things to write about while I was there. <laughs> right. Good. Good for us. Okay. Uh, so. You, you mentioned that some of these uh, experiences and, and skills you could bring to bear in the legislature. I could see that. Uh, also, how, how might it apply as state treasurer? So as I looked at the treasurer's role um, a year ago, one of the concerns that I had, Governor Kelly had brought an amortization plan to reset our liability for CAPERS, uh, I think three years in a row, where we would reduce the payment and um, and move that further into the future so that we'd have another roughly 150 million that we could use on other programs in the current time. And uh, I opposed that in that with a mature liability, this is not a new liability, not something we didn't know about, that the way you want to approach that is at least paying your interest cost and paying what it's costing you just to get through a year And that plan took us underneath that. Um, I had mentioned I'm willing to look at how much of our principal we pay off or how fast we pay it off, but I wasn't willing to rebuild a future mountain of debt for people in 20 years to have the same problem we had just been working to address. All right, let's do a quick time out here. Re-amortization, that's like refinancing a mortgage on a house, perhaps. And what you would do is you would, uh, you you, you save, you save some money right now to maybe invest that, that could have gone into capers, but you're going to invest it in other areas of state government. However, when you do that, you push costs down the road and you're going to pay a price for that later. That's exactly right. So thank you for the clarification of that. It is you have an amortization schedule on your home mortgage. And when you refinance, you re-amortize that. So that's exactly what you're looking at doing. And there, there are good reasons to do it. But the key is to look at the method and what that funding does and what it does, not only short term, as much as I'd like to not have to put dollars in, I have to look at the ultimate cost to that and whether I'm actually ahead through that transaction. And one of the things, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Well, my concern with that was the uh, governor appoints most of the CAPERS board and the treasurer is our elected position on that board. And they set the amortization policy. So I had concern as that influence grew over time in the number of appointments that they eventually could set a policy that would put us back underwater on our CAPERS payments versus the growth in our liability. And it was at that point that I announced for treasurer. This technical re-amortization thing, that was kicked around as an idea. And that was before COVID hit and before the federal government opened the floodgates of no kidding, billions of dollars have come into Kansas uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic and, you know, uh, vitalization funds and what have you. And so that's really kind of changed the dynamic of this. And I, I don't think anybody's uh, focused on uh, this re-amateurization right now. And, and we'll get to more brought up this year. You are. Correct. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to more about capers here in a sec. So you've chaired the House Tax Committee in the past. That's a big responsibility. Uh, everybody loves tax breaks. I bet you were everybody's favorite dinner guest there for a while. Well, um, 
I don't know that that actually was the case, but uh, the, the key, I can't be an expert in tax without being an expert on the budget. Those two are, are critically linked to have a handle on everyone has a request for spending and everyone has a, a request for a tax cut. But once yeah. again, they just have to be kept in balance. Well, that's that's Kansas has run into problems with that in the past, where they cut income taxes savagely, and they did not cut spending to uh, match that, and it it just ran the state off a cliff. So, that's a perhaps a lesson learned there. You currently are chair of the House Pension and Insurance Committee. You've been a go-to person in the House for dealing with the Kansas Public Employees Retirement System. So maybe there's 300 people who participate in CAPERS, 300,000, 300,000, 300, yeah, 300,000 people in CAPERS. Uh, but for many years, CAPERS was neglected. The state didn't put enough cash into the system to prepare for those long-term obligations. What is the status of CAPERS right now? So meaningfully better, um, as you had mentioned, through, through granting benefits and not increasing contribution levels, CAPERS had drifted farther and farther from being adequately funded, and it was 56% funded at the low point. Um, we are currently in the upper 70s on the funded ratio, and with some actions pending and some return data that we have, uh, it is possible that we could hit 80% funded um, at some point this year, depending on where the market continues to go. Yeah, that's a big, gigantic question, Mark. I, I don't know, you know, and keep in mind, if you're state treasurer, you're on the CAPERS board. So this is relevant. This is relevant to that job. Uh, I imagine some of these people just, uh, you know, in the middle of the night, check the stock market, you know, to find out what's going on. So in terms of CAPERS, one strategy was to issue bonds. This, to me, it sounded crazy when this was uh, raised in the last few years, but it had been done in the past. You issue bonds, use the proceeds to invest in the market, and it's necessary for this gamble to work for the portfolio to earn more than the interest payment on the bonds. And so if it's successful, each of these mega bond issues, we're talking hundreds of millions of bucks, can add a lot of money to the bottom line of CAPERS. So how is this bonding idea working out? Well, it's, it's worked better than we had hoped. Um, so we're thankful for that. Um, our last report, our bonding strategy had added over a billion dollars to the trust fund above the full cost of issuance and debt service um, uh, as we would measure that. So that was presented to the interim committee as well as to the House committee uh, in February. I don't have that data as of today. Um, was the most recent one, sorry to interrupt, was the most recent one a billion or is that 500 million? I forgot. The most recent bond issue was 500 million. That was authorized in the last legislature. It was issued in August of this past year. Our issue rate was 2.65%. So we didn't change the liability. We, we didn't change anything except our interest rate on the debt. We are now paying 2.65% to the bondholders where we have to pay our retirees seven and three quarter percent. Either way, that interest is an expense in our budget that we have to raise taxes to meet. So by saving that um, 5% in interest on those dollars, uh, we're actually up just a little over 25 million a year just in the interest cost savings on that last transaction. Yeah, the numbers are so large. It's, it, you know, the portfolio's in the billions, so it's, it's a massive number. And so that's how you get that 
a $22 million boost a year. So in the current legislative session, the House and Senate have the pleasure of figuring out what to do with perhaps a $3 billion state budget surplus. Kind of crazy. It's a good time to be a legislator, I think, uh, figuring out how to spend money rather than cut. Uh, I think it's driven by the federal stimulus, but perhaps business growth as well. So one idea is to take a billion dollars and invest it in capers. Why is this a good idea? Well, a couple of things that are a good idea. First, just reducing debt with one-time money is a good application. So that helps our balance sheet significantly, but it also helps our income statement. As you look at how we handle those dollars, um, there are a number of things that are there. There, As you said, there are a lot of requests for increased spending. Want to be very careful in increasing spending with what may be one-time money from federal stimulus dollars. Similarly, there are requests to reduce taxes, and there is room to do that. But we want to make sure we know what the ongoing variance is before we set a tax increase that exhausts one-time money over two or three years. The converse of investing the money in the pension by taking that seven and three-quarter interest completely off the books versus just reducing it as we do in the uh, bonding transactions we just talked about, that saves all of that interest cost. So in the case of the bill that we were looking at uh, recently in the House, if a billion dollars was moved, that's going to save over $77 million in interest each year. That ongoing stream then is something that could be used in a reliable manner to increase spending or, in my opinion, even better, reduce taxes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you're saving money in the long run, you can divert some of that to other state government expenditures, possibly tax cuts. But having Capers having a billion dollars to work with really moves the ball for them. That billion dollars, you didn't have to borrow it, you know, so. Right. That, as you said, that moves the ball. In the other case, we were reducing interest costs, and that has been helpful. And we've been fortunate that the market has been uh, exceptional in recent years, which is why there is more outperformance than we might have projected otherwise in our previous transactions. But this transaction would get us to over 80% funded for the first time in many years and um, would help us get there. We are down to about a 5 billion liability in the uh, the state group. And this would get us down in the uh, just over 4 billion range that would still be a that is still a very large number. We are still not at the point of arrival, but it is definite progress. Just got to make clear, nobody's going to not get their capers check next month. We're talking about liabilities, very long, you know, 25-year vision, right? Very long-term. You know, so so with over everybody's going to get their checks. With over 20 billion in the trust fund, there's plenty of money to write checks for, um, for a couple of decades uh, yeah, right. okay. and, and, and that's taken care of, but it is making sure that we can write the checks forever. So recently during a house debate on a capers bill, the house speaker, Ron Reichman uh, stood up, gave a rare speech. Normally that didn't happen in just general house floor debates. And he praised your contributions to the p- pension system during your legislative career. And you got an, a standing ovation. So that must've been nice. Maybe you blushed a little, I'm not sure. Uh, it, it was, it felt very good. I appreciate all of my colleagues helped through the years, and I certainly appreciated their their recognition earlier. 
it's like every, you had to go to math class over and over and over again. So nobody else had to. So they were, they were happy to give you a lot of applause for all that hard thinking you had to do. So they didn't have to. Uh, so turning the state treasurer's office, are there ideas you might have for improving efficiency, making better use of tax dollars? What do you have some ideas about how you might change things if you're elected? Yeah, there are a few things that I would, would look to, to work on. Um, in our unclaimed property division, the first thing is getting money back to people, but there is a lot of money just in unclaimed property. And how is that best employed for the state? Um, back in 2016, I believe we borrowed $360 million from unclaimed property uh, on that budget year, and we are paying it back, which is the right thing to do. But one question is, do we need 360 million in available funds in unclaimed property, or can that be managed kind of like a life insurance general fund where you have the assets needed to meet the liability that you have and figure out what do we do with those other assets? At what point do we look at whether or not something will be claimed? And if that changes, how do you make that clear and how to what purpose might you apply those assets rather than, than holding them there? At one yeah, time, one. some of them were invested and the interest was returned to the state. And even if we just do that, making sure that we maximize that return is a first step in that area. Okay. Any, any other ideas? Yes. As we look to uh, our Learning Quest program, I have felt uh, and had worked with setting up other plans um, while I was in my financial services career. And I've wondered if there is an opportunity to reduce our expense ratio on those plans uh, by some fraction of a percent. I think those can be more efficient for the 529 Learning Quest holders. And um, one of the things that I would look at is the advertising budget to see if the way we get the word out on that is the most efficient plan possible uh, and needed for the 529 holders. Mm -hmm. All right, before our clock expires here, uh, turn into a pumpkin. I think three of the previous state treasurers have been elected to Congress, Lynn Jenkins, Ron Estes, and Jake LaTurner. They're all Republicans like you. Uh, so do you want to go work in D.C. and follow in their footsteps? Uh, not at this time. So the treasurer is a good fit for me. My desire is to do that job well and give people numbers that they can trust and seek to handle that office from a position of trust. Um, if there are other offices that I would be a fit for to handle from that same position of trust, I would consider it. However, Washington doesn't seem like that environment. Yeah, I'm not sure what the crazy people who go to Washington are thinking. Well, you know, some of those jobs are crazy, but it's, it's an important job. It is a yeah. hard job. And uh, uh, it's the divisiveness that we have makes it very challenging. I'd hope to be able to reduce that around the numbers and just say, can we agree that these are the numbers um, on paying the bills, helping the legislature find some of those efficiencies with the chance that the treasurer has to watch those monies as they go by. All right, that's going to have to do it. I want to thank our guest, Representative Stephen Johnson, a Republican candidate for state treasurer in 2022. Good luck, Representative, in your uh, campaign. Thank you. Great to be with you.